In some quiet moments in my study this week, on the third floor in my office uh, in the Virginia building, a certain old book from my shelf got my attention. I got lots of books. I purchased this particular book in the mid-1980s when I was a student at Union Seminary. The author of this book is a world-famous Catholic theologian. His name is Hans Kuhn. And the book is really small, and it's very succinct, and it is entitled, Why I Am Still a Christian. This book was next to another book, the book that I was actually looking for, but it's this little book by Hans Kuhn that got my rapt attention. This is how the book opens. What can I rely on today? What can we hold to? I'm not a pessimist, but we scarcely need reminding that we are now in a crisis of values as profound as it is far-reaching. Kuhn continues, this large-scale crisis of values has thrown modern society into conflicts which have not yet by any means been resolved? How do we lay down priorities? How do we lay down preferences? How do we know what we can rely on? I said, wow. Hans Kuhns wasn't worried about trade and tariff wars with China. Hans Kuhn wasn't worried about the Russians interfering with our elections. Hans Kuhn in that day wasn't worried about the gun crisis by assault weapons, because assault weapons were still illegal. Hans Kuhn was not thinking about the dangerous effects of climate change, I don't think, in the mid-1980s. And he certainly wasn't thinking about the latest grief or the deepest heartache that you might be carrying in your own life, in your family, or in this community, or in this city. And as I kept reading this little thoughtful book, Why I Am Still a Christian, from one of the greatest theologians of the last century, I found myself surprisingly encouraged, enthused. This is what Kuhn says. He cannot give up on his Christian faith, even though others have co-opted the term Christian to mean so many things that it was never intended to mean. Sound familiar? He cannot give up on the Christian faith because it is his rich tradition, a tradition that has shaped him even with its foibles and failings. He says he cannot give up on the Christian faith because that faith, our faith, is all about God, God who cares, God who creates, God who loves, God who comes to us, God who never leaves us, God who redeems us. He cannot give up on the Christian faith because faithful Christian life, he says, gives us a purpose, a purpose for living. We love, we give, we serve, we work for justice, even in the crises and the confusions of the world, purposeful living like that, love and justice moves us all toward the kingdom of God. That's why he's still a Christian, he says. 
So in the midst of the continuing crises of our culture and the busyness of life in these days, the rediscovery of this little book gave me fresh insights and energy for faith and life and ministry. So we've been in these summer months listening to the stories of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. Lots of familiar stories that remind us that God is in our midst and God loves us and we are called. In fact, we're all challenged, invited to be sincere disciples who go with Jesus toward the kingdom of God, work and serve toward the kingdom of God. Today's story is in this same narrative in the Gospel of Luke, but it may be less familiar and maybe even way more jarring. I'm hoping today, though, that our reflections on this story with the the, the reminders of who we are and whom we're called to serve, that we'll find in this passage some fresh insights for trusting God and serving God, even with the crises that we can name easily today. Listen now to Luke 12, beginning with uh, verse 49 and going through verse 56, Luke 12, 49 to 46. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth. And how I wish it was already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized. And what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This is the word of the Lord. So I suspect you know the name Ludwig Van Beethoven, the great composer, he would sometimes play a trick on polite audiences, especially when he guessed that they weren't really interested in his serious music. He would perform a piece on the piano, one of his own slow and soft pieces, sweet pieces, which lulled everyone into thinking that the world was soft and cozy with mostly beautiful thoughts and the sense that everything was easy. That's what he would play. And then just as the final notes were dying down, Beethoven would bring his whole forearm down on the piano keys, shocking the assembled crowd. This was his way of reminding us that the world was as full of beauty as it was pain. The shock of that crash of notes on the piano is a good image of what Jesus has to say at the end of Luke chapter 12. 
These are not soft words from meek and mild Jesus. These words make us uncomfortable. I'm bringing fire. And I wish it was already kindled. Not peace. Divisions. Father against son. Mother against daughter. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Jesus asks. Maybe Jesus is kind of like Beethoven. Boom, boom. He's been walking along with his disciples. He's been teaching. He's been loving. He's been encouraging them. Jesus has been telling them how to love and serve toward the kingdom of God. When you pray, pray like this, say this, and then he slams his forearm down on the piano keys. The kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what? It's real. And it will unsettle families. And it will bring uncertainty. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? That's what he's asking. So the word for today is sovereignty. You can see it in the sermon title. It's an important word, sovereignty. Sovereignty has to do with the idea that God holds ultimate lordship over the universe such that God's will is supreme over all else. Sovereignty. This Will is known most fully in Jesus Christ, who revealed God's ways in everything he did, loving everyone, forgiving sinners, feeding the hungry, eating with outcasts, teaching, helping, giving, going. Everything Jesus did was working for the peace and wholeness of every person. Everything that Jesus did was working toward the coming in fullness of the kingdom of God. Sovereignty has to do with the idea that just as God has created the world and called it good, God will complete the world and all things will be well and all manner of things will be well. Sovereignty has to do with the faith and convictions of Hans Kuhn who affirms despite the crisis of the world, whatever they are, our life is best orientated toward God. Kuhn says this, and I quote again, God is the good God, the God who looks on human beings with kindness, the God in whom men and women can place absolute and unreserved trust even in doubt, even in suffering, even in sin, even in all the personal distress, even in all the social affliction, the God, in fact, in whom we can place our trust, the God who was and is the all-embracing and all-pervasive God of the world, this is the one we can absolutely rely on, end quote. Sovereignty has to do with the affirmation that no matter what happens in life or in death, God is in charge. God gets the last word. God promises life to us and eternal life through Jesus Christ. That message runs through the whole Bible. God is in charge, and God will bring about God's purposes. We often doubt this, but it's all through the Bible. A wandering tribe? No. God's people. Slaves in Egypt? No. God's certain care for them toward the promised land and freedom crushed in exile, we wonder? No. God's people with a purpose. Worship God and serve God. That's who you are. That's what you're to be about. 
oppression and death on a cross? No, resurrection and life. Life serving God, the church. Sovereignty. Sovereignty is the term we use to remind us that God's ways prevail. Sovereignty is the term that we use to say God wins. This is what we sing on Easter at the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And the words just keep echoing in this space whenever we sing it. Sovereignty. Sovereignty. There's a great story about Albert Einstein, the famous scientist from Princeton. Einstein uh, allegedly got on a train at Princeton Junction. And when the conductor came to his seat, Einstein was unable to find his ticket. And so he started searching through his pockets. He opened his briefcase. He became completely disturbed, as you might think, because he couldn't find it. And the conductor uh, tried to comfort him, saying, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. It's okay. I'm trusting you bought a ticket. Just forget about it. Just relax. Sit down. About 20 minutes later, the conductor came back through the car and saw Einstein still searching wildly and widely for this misplaced ticket. And the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, please it's okay, we know you. You bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And Einstein, with that, stood up and said in a gruff voice, okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. I know who I am too. <laughs> but I'm looking for my ticket because I got to remember where I'm going. <laughs> you know what? We all want to know uh, where we're headed. We all want to know where we're going. We want to know what's next. We want to know how to get from here to what's next. And often it can be a confusion because we rely on ourselves. We rely on our best skills and our friends and our best knowledge and our brilliance. And you know what? It's only going to take us so far. Sovereignty is the word. And sovereignty reminds us where we're going toward the kingdom of God. That's for sure. And we should see the times and we should see the things that challenge us, whatever they are, in that context. We're God's people and God is sovereign and God's ways prevail. So with the sovereignty of God, no matter what happens to us along the way, we keep striving to trust God. And we keep striving to serve God's purposes in the world. That's our calling. I wonder if you remember the name Vincent Harding. He was one of the great leaders of the civil rights movement, but not as famous as some of the others. Harding wrote several of Martin Luther King's speeches. And not, before Harding's, not long before Harding's death, about five years ago, Harding was interviewed by Krista Tippett about how the, the, the little song, This Little Light of Mine, was sung in Selma on Bloody Sunday in March 1965. Harding remembered saying, Governor Wallace gave, uh, he said, we said this, Governor Wallace, give us our freedom. And the whole contingent of marchers sang, 
This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine in the face of government power. Let it shine in the face of angry mobs and dogs and guns and water hoses. Let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Harding said the most basic, deepest word was, whatever you do, whatever you do to us, we're going to let our light shine. God gave it to us. We're going to let it shine. Sovereignty is what allows us to do that. Sovereignty tells us God is finally and fully in charge. He shall reign forever and ever. And we keep to the tasks, hard as they are, focused on God's work in the world. Sovereignty reminds us no matter the confusion, no matter the challenge or the crisis or the context, God is working out God's purposes and our lives, our duties, are meant to be aligned with God, participating with God in the promised and coming certain reign. The name Kate Bowler has been mentioned several times, numerous times maybe from this pulpit. You might remember Kate Bowler uh, teaches church history at Duke Divinity School. And she was diagnosed in her mid-30s with terrible stage 4 colon cancer. Kate Bowler writes about this whole ordeal in a book that many of us have read, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. That's the name of the book. Recently, David Brooks, the author and New York Times columnist, interviewed Kate Bowler as a part of a this Aspen Ideas seminar that David Brooks hosts in Colorado. So in that interview, which covers so many subjects with such insight and inspiration and even great humor, David Brooks asked Kate Bowler, with all the complexities and the treatments she has been through, how she sees her life. How would she summarize her life and Kate Bowler says two words have become very important for her, especially to her theology. Two words. And the two words are, even so. Even so. She says, we cannot understand everything, like why she got cancer and had such a hard time. We can't figure everything out, like what's going to happen to her or her son or her family or her life. She can't know what's in store, even as a young mother, a promising academic professional. She can't explain things, but she can live with hope and perseverance and fortitude and, and faith and strength. Even so is her mantra. Feel so honest, so helpful. Even so. Even so is the reminder of the sovereignty of God. Cancer, complexities, crises in the nation, border, gun violence, terror, fears, they're real. They're part of life. But the sovereignty of God reminds us who holds us and who holds the world. Even so. Sovereignty of God affirms that nothing can separate us from God and God's love. So we keep on. We keep on. 
even so. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade. The Lord will watch over you. You're coming and you're going forever. Jesus says he comes to bring about the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is going to change everything. It's going to be even confusing and uncertain divisions. We're to be about the kingdom. Can't just wallow along, can't wander and wait. The time is pregnant with God's emerging reign, and we're part of the sovereignty of God. God wins. God's ways prevail. Don't get caught up in the worries and the ways of the world, Jesus is saying. Be about the work of the kingdom. We know where we're going. This little light of mine, got to make it shine. Even so, we keep on. The sovereignty of God allows us to trust God with all that comes our way. Sovereignty of God keeps us focused on loving and serving God all our days. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Great and holy God, pour out your spirit upon each one of us. We need it. We long for it. We want to be focused and faithful, hopeful and diligent as your disciples. We seek the way of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.